Chapter Five of the Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, about lessons. The new governess had come, and lessons were quite a fresh experience for Teddy and Babs. Nana used to teach Teddy to read and write, and Babs had learned a little of both too. But on the whole, they were very ignorant children for seven and five years old. Miss Grimston was a real old-fashioned governess. Very prim and proper and particular, thoroughly imbued with that most absurd of dying theories that children should be seen and not heard, just as if their fresh original chatter were not one of the most delightful things to be found in life, and the expression of their quaint baby thoughts one of the most entertaining. Moreover, she laboured under the delusion that it is better to drag out and punish all the current naughtiness of the nursery than just simply and quietly to look the other way. To extract continuous confessions of unreal sorrow for unrepented-of deeds, instead of diverting the child's thoughts and feelings into another better channel and letting well alone when you have done so, Miss Grimston was an excellent person, conscientious down to the heels of her little flat boots, and invaluable in carrying out any work which she undertook, provided it was not the education of children for which she was utterly unfitted. It is strange that, though people are very particular not to select grooms who know nothing about horses, it does not seem to occur to them that an equally careful selection should be made concerning the trainers of their children, and nobody chosen for that work who does not truly understand the mysteries of child life. But it was hardly surprising that Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor should not have regard to this, for they themselves did not know that there was anything in children to understand. And when Miss Grimston arrived, weighted with testimonials, they were only too glad to secure her services and hand over Babs and Teddy at once into her keeping. But the children did not take to Miss Grimston; they disliked her stiff, severe manner and shrank from her grey granite nature. She's not very nice," said Babs solemnly to Teddy, "and her hands is all loose bones what might rattle. I don't think I like her much, nor I don't," agreed her brother. She won't be able to play one bit, and I know she'll scold. I wish some wild beasts would eat her all up," he added fervently. Babs looked very serious until the last happy suggestion. "Perhaps they will," she exclaimed cheerfully. "Anyhow, we can hope it." The nursery had been turned into a schoolroom, and poor Nana sent with tears in her eyes to sit in the maids' room with Wace. "Good morning, children," gasped Mrs. Grimston. Breathless from her mount up the long flight of stairs, "Good morning," they answered gravely from a distance. Children generally know by instinct whom it is safe to kiss. Come near and shake hands nicely," continued the governess. "I don't think I'd like to shake hands with you," said Babs. "Your fingers is so bony." Miss Grimston looked severer than ever. "You are a very rude little girl," she said sternly. But perhaps she thought it better not to press the matter. Teddy was soon settled with a copy to write, and Miss Grimston brought out a child's guide to knowledge with which to educate Babs. After reading over a few questions and answers several times, during which process Babs sat with a wondering look on her bright little face, Miss Grimston decided that the lesson had been sufficiently learned. "Stand with your hands behind you, Barbara," she said. "Why?" asked Babs, surprised. She had never done such a thing in her sensible out-of-door life before, and she did not see any reason in doing so now. Perhaps, on the whole, Babs was right. Because I tell you to, that is enough for little girls. 
Babs looked puzzled for a minute, and then a sudden light illuminated her face. Are I going to do nastics? she said with a little laugh. Miss Grimston took no notice of her question, but turned to the open book. My dear child, are there not many things that you would like to know? Oh, yes, screamed the little girl delightedly. I would like to know what makes there come such lot of colors in the water bottles, and why the crumbs jump up when we slaps the table, and— Be quiet, Barbara, said the governess angrily. But you asked me, exclaimed Babs, bewildered by the rebuke. You were saying your lesson, remember? The answer is yes. Yes, please, I suppose, interrupted the little girl. Miss Grimston returned to the book. Pray, then, what is bread made of? Dough and barm, replied Babs promptly. I've often seen cook make bread at Gloverdale. Teddy and I used to each have a piece to make little men with bead eyes what grew fat in the baking. Silence! cried the governess in despair. That is not the right answer. Isn't bread made of dough and barm in London? It always is in the country, I know. The answer is flour. What were you thinking of, Barbara, when I read this lesson to you? Babs looked doubtful for a minute. I was thinking about what makes you have so many more bones in your hand than other people's, she said candidly. Be quiet, Barbara. How dare you be so rude? Am I rude? I didn't know. But you is so funny, continued the little girl. You keep asking questions, and when I answers them you say, Be quiet. You are a very naughty, pert little girl, and I shall put you in the corner. What's that? asked Babs with interest. Hitherto she had been quite ignorant of nursery penalties. Go and stand in that corner with your face to the wall. Babs cheerfully complied. What happens now? she asked a minute afterwards. You will remain there until you are good. I's like a cow that's in a stall, laughed Babs. Teddy, I's pretendin' I's dear Flossie. We've never played this game afore. Be silent, Barbara cried Miss Grimston in the last stage of irritation. It is not a game at all, it is a disgrace. Babs then began to make a sort of gentle munching sound, and occasionally shook out the ends of her sash. That's Flossie's tail whisking, she murmured quite content. The exhausted governess now turned her attention to Teddy's copy-book, and to her dismay perceived a number of black lines covering the whole page. What is this? she asked severely. You told me to cover with ink the lines that were made and then to copy them. I like covering the lines best, so I left the letters till last. Miss Grimston looked at Teddy. He had such a sweet, innocent face that he could not really have meant to be naughty. It did not occur to the governess that an angel face may be coupled with a boy's soul. And besides, she had already decided that Babs was the naughty one. The little girl had been so rude and obstinate, while Teddy seemed so gentle and polite. So, after a mild rebuke, she turned over a new leaf, and watched for a while his laborious attempts to copy the printed writing. And certainly Teddy was not so actively naughty in school-time as Babs. He was so much less intense than his sister in all his feelings that this was really the result of idleness rather than of excessive virtue. Poor Babs was always in trouble of some kind, and the sad part of it was that it all came without her meaning to be naughty at all. Things so often turn out nasty, she said wistfully to Teddy. But this was how it happened. Miss Grimston had a strict theory that school time must be kept rigidly, 
and no irrelevant talking or laughter allowed therein, and Bab's nature and habit were always to talk and generally to laugh. She thought of so many things to say, and her words tumbled out before she remembered it was school time. And also such lots of funny things happened that she could not help laughing at them. Miss Grimston's pen might give a scratch, or better still the slate pencil a squeal, and the little girl would break out into the merriest laughter. She really could not help it, for it was so splendidly funny when a book fell down, or Miss Grimston knocked her knuckles against the piano, or Teddy dropped his pocket handkerchief. She had always laughed out of the fullness of her cheery little heart, and how could she be changed all in a week to suit Miss Grimston's fifty-year-old fads? But of course Babs did not see all this. She only knew that she was always being scolded and punished for doing what was to her the most natural thing in the world, and really, how could she help it? Bad reports of her conduct were continually being sent downstairs, and Aunt Eleanor said it was just what she expected. But Uncle Charlie only laughed. Miss Grimston's battles with Babs amused him vastly. One of the most serious bones of contention between the little girl and her governess was the weekly letter to her father or mother in India. Babs had been accustomed to printing in wild, crooked letters a few disjointed, quaintly spelled sentences entirely out of her own head, and her mother was wont to laugh and cry over these dear, funny little letters, which generally ended in a lot of kisses and scribbling, all of which Babs felt sure her mother would understand as well as she did. But with Miss Grimston came a new order of things. She insisted on proper letters written in a large, round hand, and saying such things as she thought fit, or sometimes penciled underneath. And Babs, who saw the impropriety of this style of correspondence, rebelled. "'If you say the things, it is your letter,' she argued one Thursday morning while Teddy was peacefully plodding through Miss Grimston's copy on the slate. He was glad to be saved the trouble of making it all up for himself. "'Do not be so troublesome, Barbara.' said the governess grimly. "'I aren't troublesome,' answered Babs. "'Only I do want to send Mother a letter of my very own.' "'What do you wish to say?' severely. "'I can't tell you, really, Miss Grimston.' "'And why not, pray?' "'It wouldn't be at all polite, "'cause, you see, I want to tell Mother about you.' Miss Grimston's face became very sultry. "'Your mother would not read such a naughty, rude letter,' she remarked sternly and with a remarkable disregard of truth. "'Yes, she would,' contradicted Babs, flushing with temper, "'and she would like it much burn your dirty old letters,' defiantly. "'I shall not allow you to write at all, unless you behave yourself, "'and come at once and ink over this pencil copy which I have done for you.' Miss Grimston stooped to lift Babs on to her high chair, but the child stiffened in every limb— which is a sure sign of infant depravity, and uttered a piercing, tearless yell. "'You are an exceedingly naughty little girl,' said the governess angrily, "'and I shall not allow you now to write at all. I shall send a note instead to your mother to tell her how naughty you are.' Babs began to cry violently and sat screaming on the floor while Miss Grimston fulfilled her threat, and Teddy, after the manner of children, took absolutely no notice whatever of the storm of tears. "'Cease that noise at once, Barbara,' said the governess as she looked over Teddy's dull little letter. But here again Babs had neither the power nor the inclination to obey. It would have been a physical impossibility for her to suddenly swallow down all her woe. Miss Grimston picked her up with a vicious little shake. "'Do you hear me? 
Cease crying this moment, she repeated. And Bab's spirit rose within her. Get away, you, you, you beast, she cried passionately. A chill horror fell upon the room. Miss Grimston's bony fingers relaxed their hold, and she solemnly rang the bell for nurse. Put Miss Barbara to bed at once, she said in an awful voice when Nana appeared. And she is to remain there in disgrace for the rest of the day. I shall inform Captain and Mrs. Conway of her outrageous conduct myself. Nana was only too glad to carry her darling away from the governess and the dreaded dominion of lessons. And she hushed and soothed the sobbing child, though she dared not disregard the command to put Babs to bed. My letter, wailed Babs. I only wanted to write to mother and tell her how horrid Miss Grimston is, and now she'll write and tell her outrageous conduct, like Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor, and nobody won't understand. You shall write yourself, lovey, said Nurse soothingly, and Nana'll put it in the post and it'll be all right. The thought of the letter wonderfully cheered Babs, and the sorrows of the morning were quite forgotten in the excitement of writing it that afternoon. She sat up in bed in her little red dressing-gown with flushed cheeks and very bright eager eyes. It shall be a very long one, and Nana, you must tell me when I can't spell the things quite right. That I will, Miss Babs, dear, said Nurse lovingly. Called her a beast, did she? Bravo! laughed Uncle Charlie, after Miss Grimston had gone home in a whirlwind of righteous wrath. What a lark! Aunt Eleanor laughed, too. She is an old cat, I must say. But really, Babs is an awful child. I shall be thankful when Ned and Barbara come home. And then the remembrance that Teddy was in the room, playing by himself in the back drawing-room, changed the conversation. Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor aren't a bit angry with you about Miss Grimston, said Teddy cheerfully, as he had tea, a cosy tea prepared by Nana, on a little table beside Babs' bed. They both laughed, and Uncle Charlie called you a lark. "'and Aunt Eleanor said Miss Grimston was a cat. "'And Uncle seemed rather glad you'd called her a beast. "'Did he really? "'I thought it was dreadful naughty. "'But Aunt Eleanor said you were an awful child. "'I know. "'That's cause I'm not pretty. "'Do you think Mother will mind about me not being pretty too? "'I don't know. "'Did you write Mother a long letter?' "'Oh, yes, a splendid one. "'What told her all about it? "'Barbara,' said Miss Grimston sternly on the following morning, "'are you prepared to apologize for your unseemly insult of yesterday?' "'What do you say? Are I what?' asked Babs, somewhat puzzled. "'Are you sorry for speaking to me as you did yesterday?' "'Oh, yes,' said Babs eagerly, for children never bear malice. "'I are very sorry, and today I are quite good.' "'I am glad to hear it said the governess, thawing a little, and I hope you will never be such a wicked child again. Uncle Charlie didn't think it at all naughty to call you a beast, continued Babs pleasantly. He seemed rather glad, Teddy said. Perhaps he and Aunt Eleanor don't think beast a rude name. I don't expect they can, cause Aunt Eleanor said you were a cat, and in course she couldn't be rude. But a cat is a beast too, isn't it? Miss Grimston's face became a dull chocolate color. It was her way of blushing. But she did not know what to say. She only felt a feeling of intense irritation against the innocent child. Look over your geography lesson while Teddy says his spelling, 
she almost hissed. Babs looked surprised. What had made Miss Grimston angry again was a complete wonder to her. She supposed it was one of the inexplicable mysteries of the grown-up. Babs hated geography, but the lesson had one redeeming feature. In due course, Miss Grimston asked what was the capital of Cornwall, and Babs answered with a little shriek of amusement, Bodman on the camel's back. Teddy had been the original perpetrator of this excellent joke, but its repetition brought unfailing delight to Babs. A severe rebuke always followed in its train, but the children resignedly bore that for the sake of the wit. Music lessons, too, were always a sorrow to Babs. Teddy was a musical boy, and caught things by ear, and in fact took as naturally to the piano as a young duck to water, but practicing to Babs was labor and sorrow. Miss Grimston sat beside her and occasionally rapped the fat, stupid little fingers with her spectacle case rather sharply. A note once played wrong was always played wrong in Bab's case. She toiled through the blue bells of Scotland with the greatest effort, and invariably alighted on C instead of E for the bonny note. I'm so hot, she gasped after her sixth try for E. Mightn't I rest a bit? Certainly not. Play your scales now. The thumb wrench, or as it might be called the thumb screw, in the scales was even more exhausting and Babs drew her breath hard in her anxiety to accomplish it. "'I writed to Mother all yesterday afternoon,' began the little girl presently, for she had no idea of secrecy. There never had been any reason for it in her happy life up till now. "'And I told her all about the beast.' "'Then you are extremely defiant,' said Miss Grimston angrily. "'I specially forbade you the privilege of writing to your parents, and I am much displeased at your daring to do so.' Babs bowed her head to the storm, but she did not quite understand what her governess was saying. "'Teddy,' she said when lessons were over and Miss Grimston gone, "'I don't think I'll tell things again to people what don't understand. It makes it so nasty.' "'I wouldn't,' answered her brother. "'It's safer not.' "'What makes it safer?' asked Babs. "'It never mattered at home.' "'Giles and Nana were different.' I'm glad I write it to mother. She'll be pleased to get such a very long letter. But the arrival of that mail in India brought a good deal of anxiety to Major and Mrs. Conway. Oh, my poor Babs, cried her mother. Do look at what she says, Ned. And then she showed him the funny little printed scrawl. Dear mother, she's dreadful, I called her a beast, and I wish you'd come home soon, your lovin' little Babs. And there's such a horrid letter from that odious governess. I know she's unkind to my poor baby. Oh, Ned, do take me home to them as soon as ever you can. And Barbara Conway covered her little daughter's letter with kisses, and when the major took it up the page was all wet. What does the boy's letter say? Oh, just a dull schoolroom copy, not from Teddy at all, but done by that woman. But I'm sure, Ned, that things are going wrong and I do want to go home so dreadfully. It is very good of Charlie and Eleanor, but they know nothing about children, and now they've got this horrid governess. Read her letter, and then burn the vile thing. So Major Conway read, Dear Madam, I feel it my painful duty to inform you that your daughter Barbara is in so insubordinate a frame of mind that she is unfit to write to you her periodical letter today 
and also that her conduct is at times so outrageous that ordinary childish penalties prove utterly inadequate. Yours truly, Eliza Grimston. Beast! exclaimed his wife, thereby echoing her little daughter's sentiments of nearly a month ago. End of chapter 5